0: Hi nights!
1: Well met and welcome, you travelers, to High Nights. My name is Ross, your resident game master, and I am joined by Dakota, my best friend and player main. Together we strive to improve your tabletop experience with fresh new ideas and plenty of crazy details. I wanted to apologize for this episode. You may hear the hum of a lawnmower in the background for some portions. We've done our best to edit it from the audio. We could use your support. To raise more banners in the High Knight's name, remember to subscribe and follow us on your podcasting platform. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon platforms. You can also visit us at highnightspodcast.com. That's knights with a K. Wherever you find us, let's muster some more fans for the cause. Thanks again for listening, and now here's what you've all been waiting for. I might actually need my phone because of the artifacts. I have like five or so that I've found.
0: I got got some good ones, they're just kind of not all together.
1: Yeah, they're across different uh, sources, (laughs) like... uh, I was looking at BBC, I was looking at Discovery, a lot of the, um, I know I'm kind of getting into the topic here, a lot of my search results were actually pulling fake mythical weapons, like, it would be Mjolnir or Gungnir, and those are both the weapons of Thor and yeah. Odin, respectively, and it's like, that's nice and all, but I'm not looking at God of War Ragnarok shit right now.
0: <laughs> well, like, things that are, like, in a real-life museum right now, like, it's a... Artifact that we know about that's what I wanted to go
1: search for welcome back to high nights. This is Ross in Dakota. Happy holidays
0: Yeah, uh, I apologize for my voice. I'm still getting over a cold but otherwise we're ready to go
1: oh you're steely and ready to resolve this wonderful episode you know i was actually weathering a sickness myself probably the past episode so <laughs> i mean we can just cut that out we're all good with it
0: we're all right
1: but uh t- on today's episode what we're going to discuss is uh cody had this great idea of hey, there are actual artifacts in history. There are secret treasures of the world that we know today, and they're actually alive in museums. You can travel the world and go find them. Like, why don't we talk about these legendary artifacts from our own world and kind of extrapolate what could they do in a D&D setting, or how would we exemplify them as a magical item or a powerful source?
0: Yeah, like, how would you just incorporate them into D&D, and what power set would they have? i just think it's a really fun idea
1: it was a fun idea you started off with the rosetta stone the
0: thing that made me think about it was the rosetta stone which is the only reason we were able as humanity to decipher ancient egyptian uh hieroglyphs in the first place was because of the rosetta stone and then that helped us uh do a bunch of other stuff with other languages you know and the the rosetta stone uh that teaches you different languages the app and stuff yeah um, I thought that was a really cool real-life rock
1: that just taught <laughs> us
0: so much. So in the world of D&D, uh, what would that do, you know?
1: So the Rosetta Stone, I looked into it a bit more. <laughs> Apparently, the history behind it is really boring.
0: Like, yeah, it's not It's not as exciting as it sounds.
1: Well, the purpose of the Rosetta Stone uh, Source BBC is that... It was a decree by King Ptolemy in that time period, like, ancient era law ruling. And uh, the only reason it's relevant for learning languages is because the guy who carved the stone did it in... I think he did it in Ptolemaic and Greek and one other language. He wrote it in three languages so that everyone in the city could understand what the law was and uh all Mixed we know it about up. it today is the language learning app that's the only thing that's been plastered all around the world the rosetta stone <laughs> yeah. The Rosetta Stone. but what if the rosetta stone was actually something that you could recover it's
0: well, probably i was thinking <laughs> a, just a an actual artifact that you can hold not like a massive rock or tablet right that just well it's in your possession you can understand all languages or something or most i don't know maybe you have to like an enchantment into it to understand more languages
1: so what i like about that is you can kind of encounter that really early in any sort of game if it just helps you understand languages maybe it does something more like you can read write and hear all languages only while
0: it's in your possession just because it's fun that way you have to be touching the stone yeah, yeah Like you're holding the stone and imagine an infiltrator or somebody you know like your rogue carrying that around that could be really cool
1: oh absolutely This kind of makes me think of the legend of the Tower of Babel. You know how they say all the people of the world built a tower trying to go to heaven, and then God got angry and smote them and destroyed the tower, and that's why we all know different languages. Like, that stone could be from the tower itself. You can world build with this. You could actually have a Tower of God in your campaign, and the Rosetta Stone might help you learn the secret language to enter into it.
0: You could have a made up language that people don't know and you need their because if they encounter this early, imagine that coming back
1: later, like, oh my god, wait a minute. We don't know what these people are saying, but we can. The ancient kings once held the Rosetta Stone, yeah. and they then learned how to speak Pig Latin. <laughs> yeah, something stupid. Yeah, you, you can just do it really easy like that in your game. You don't have to put a lot of effort into it. Just steal this idea. Yeah, like oh.
0: that's that's a simple one. That doesn't, you don't even need the whole campaign to be around it. Just an easy artifact to put into a game. Um, but I, I just have a lot more written down that it's like a, the terracotta army. Oh, I was just Classic, looking at that. dude.
1: Terracotta army.
0: Yeah, like soldiers of stone in clay turning to life, that's cool. So, I mean, they're just golems, but come on.
1: Behind that one, I believe that the King of China at the time, uh, he was so obsessed with uh, having his army with him through all of his lives, that he had the terracotta army molded so that every single soldier that he actually had... They looked like them, They were all unique unique people, Uh yes. Everyone probably had to stand and model for these terracotta soldiers so that they could accompany him to the afterlife. There were, like, thousands of them. There were thousands. There
0: was a lot. It was actually an
1: army. (laughs) Like, some sort of prophecy shit could actually, you know... Possess all of the soldiers and bring them to life on Doomsday, or yep. something like that. Oh, I mean,
0: it was the entire plot of the Mummy Three with Brandon Fraser. Oh, like, the Mummy on. Three? <laughs> like,
1: You're, that's some ancient yeah. era knowledge that I've forgotten about, man. I'm just saying, terracotta <laughs>
0: army could be cool.
1: I've only seen the Mummy and Mummy Two, but there's a Three those with a terracotta. Those are the army. only
0: good ones. Okay. the Mummy Three actually isn't isn't good, but it has a terracotta army in it.
1: So. <laughs> they, they had some good inspiration yeah. rolling there like terracotta army you know it was just vexing because the soldiers made of clay had working swords and shields like they were prepared all you have to do is have some sort of summoner go in there and turn them all into golems well
0: there's uh, so much real world lore behind the terracotta army like they're supposed to come back and rise and turn animated and stuff when whoever that king was or whatever that was buried with them rises too it's wild stuff. You can literally just <laughs> put that into the game. Yeah, <laughs> like Have a summoner just turn them all alive.
1: Yeah, you, and that's how you you steal an idea creatively is that it's not the terracotta army in your game. Maybe it's the uh, ancient lapis ruins of the dragon well, gods or imagine
0: something. Imagine going deep into a dungeon in and, and all these random rooms and throughout the entire dungeon there are like these statue warriors. They, have no, they don't do anything, they're just statues. Right. But they're all over the place. And then the, once you get to the depths of the dungeon and you're fighting that wizard or whatever, he turns them all alive. Yeah. And whether you beat him or not, now you have to escape with an <laughs> army that's blocking your way out.
1: Like, oh, I like that a lot. That could be a lot of fun too. I'm kind of, a, I'm imagining this, like I think we can add to this uh do you remember that scene from the first harry potter movie where they have to fight the fucking chess pieces? oh yeah play? that was really cool yeah yeah that was super awesome imagine a dungeon you're wandering through the dungeon and just like you said you're just walking past these statues but each one has a recorded purpose and each one is like it's a pawn or a bishop or a knight oh yeah, yeah. and then when you get to the very center uh this golem master animates them all and you have two choices you either have to beat him in a battle of wits and actually play chess or you have to fight the fucking golems and the harder option is going to be fighting the king and queen of the golems
0: yeah but that's super cool it would be and it's a super creative dungeon idea too like you wouldn't expect these all these statues to just come to life i feel like
1: just having like a hidden army is yeah. kind of the surprise going on here, and that's the legend of the artifact Maybe they're all controlled by one special piece, you can add more to this to kind of make it more modular for your players uh, He who holds the great sword controls the army etc.
0: Or even you can still spin the same idea What if there are all these statues are around an entire like city a town and the king has the power to animate them And that's how he's ruling because oh. at any minute that statue that's in these people's living room can just come to life.
1: That's subtle. Yeah. Oh. So so
0: he rules and there's really nothing you can do about it. That's a He that's, can just storm the city at any time.
1: You could dress up a whole <laughs> small campaign yeah. around that. Like they're all these iconic statues spread around his city and the king doesn't have to control all of them at once he can just animate one or another he moves his chess pieces around so that he can create his own game of thrones situation and And before
0: the players figure it out maybe they're just uh walking around and every night maybe the, the statues are like moving <laughs> like they're just in different places and you don't know why
1: you got me I was thinking the night the pawn set not the night at <laughs> night no, no, no. like, the yeah. night at night it's like do you just wake up and you hear someone screaming in the streets <laughs> and it's actually oh no one of the king's earls was impaled on a knight statue <laughs>
0: stabbed.
1: and everyone's just like who could have done this terrible vandalism and murder no. and no I think
0: was- it's even more fun if they know who did it they're just oh. like the fucking king dude that guy probably did something wrong like he, he is judge jury and executioner
1: oh right i think it's
0: just a fun idea
1: so everyone kind of has the feeling that the king is behind all oh this. yeah they I don't know how That's, well and
0: how do you stop him how do you stop and, you know an like powerful king if you like just that? go and confront him he literally has an army like <laughs> that can just spring into action at any moment <laughs> like, oh man and if he gets word that you are working against him just like that random dude that was shanked at night Ooh. <laughs> you know?
1: So this is the King and White. I I'm really just taking this idea and writing. I just with think it's it. fun. But the King and White rules his alabaster kingdom and everything that he says goes. Yep. But there's only one opposing force. There used to be a black king, and the black king only has one piece left. And he decides to entrust it to the party members to try and fight back against the alabaster king. Oh, that'd be cool. That's how you can do another sort of, uh, or that's how you can expound upon this idea. Yeah, and I'm, have just spitballing. A, I'm spitballing. I'm spitballing too.
0: There's just so many ideas you can do with an army of statues that can come to life. Like the just spring it on army. people.
1: Now, it's time to knock you off your seat do it. and bring I got in more a stupid idea. <laughs> okay. Have you heard of the Venus of Willendorf? No. Look <laughs> at this thing.
0: Oh, my God. Do you know what this is? (laughs) What is
1: that? So, this is the Venus of Willendorf. (laughs) Uh, Listeners, for your viewing pleasure, since you cannot view this, the Venus of Willendorf is this uh, 30,000-year-old artifact, and it was discovered in Austria, but it is possibly from a, a Mesopotamian culture. It's basically a little statue of a fat lady with giant boobs. And she's got some sort of shawl over her face, like this beaded crown. The the head just looks like it's covered in beads. But she's got these giant titties, a big fat belly, and then these hunkin' thigh legs, like the kind (laughs) of legs that you want to squeeze on you. (laughs) (laughs) She is a goddess.
0: What is, yeah, what is her purpose?
1: So the Venus of Willendorf, this is a fertility idol. Uh, This is possibly in reference to ancient goddesses like, you know ishtar and others of the uh, mesopotamian faith things like that so the venus is just like a fetish or a fertility statue it's like the, the purpose you of pray upon statue, it to
0: have children
1: and stuff you pray upon yeah. it to have children and also to have uh, bountiful crops and other things well, so it's here's fertility. the question is
0: this artifact in real life like one artifact or are they multiple for like a time period right so like did you gift this to
1: a <laughs> family member who just got married this christmas i gave my hands <laughs> yeah.
0: or like an enemy like fuck that guy i'm gonna mail his wife <laughs> a fertility
1: <to> idol <laughs> no 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 so of uh of this venus statue uh there are more like it there's different versions and it's found in other cultures and other continents too but uh typically the venus statue is something that you would give a newlywed couple so that they could have children yeah. if that was what it symbolized so
0: <laughs> all right well how are you working that into a campaign
1: yeah i mean this is just more <laughs> of a fun item yeah. you know so I was having fun with the terracotta army actually having a campaign centered around it, but the Venus of Willendorf is gonna cause problems yeah. for you and your ca- your fellow well, characters. Imagine
0: going into a small town and there's an epidemic where just everybody's pregnant. Oh man! Like, like they don't want this many kids born. What's happening? <laughs> oh, somebody no. like buried the statue in the set like in the well of town or something. Wait. So, oh no! <laughs> this whole town is being blessed and they don't want it.
1: Oh shit, it's backwoods ten. Tennessee man okay so like (laughs) this is the town of bastards and the problem is that the people in town are dying because they're all too related to each other like they just keep having kids they keep having kids with each other and they don't date anyone outside of town like they're all cousins at least the
0: hills have eyes coming on
1: and people are just like i don't know why i'm so in love with my sister fuck It's a curse
0: that was put on these people. It's a
1: cursed idol. Someone buried it in the bottom of the well, like you said, yeah. and now they can't stop fucking Dude, everyone in the town. that And it's not even that. Somebody
0: hated this family. Right. Like, they were like, fuck this town. No
1: i know it was a bit of a garish way to create <laughs> this scenario but the way i see it is that this happened over the course of a hundred years or so yeah like at first everyone in the town is just super fucking horny everyone in town just won't stop having yeah, sex but eventually everybody.
0: everybody has kids and the but then the everyone, DNA pool gets pretty low
1: correct yeah. exactly my point So, like, in the first generation, oh, my wife cheated on me. I don't care. I'm going to go cheat on her. And everyone just cheats, cheats, cheats. Yeah, just nobody cares. Nobody cares until two to three generations later. Oh, no. Adventurers, help. Yeah. That's (laughs) fucked. It's fucked because... Dude,
0: well, because, like, like, even after you fix the situation, everybody's still lost. (laughs) Like, that, that, that town is still, like... I think they all just need to move, and the town needs to
1: burn. Actually, though, yeah, so you can solve the situation by poisoning the (laughs) waterhole. Just everybody dies. No, commit a crime and say, the water is poisoned here, you can't live here, go. And then everyone has to leave, and then that's how you fix that situation. Oh my god, yeah. That's one way.
0: That's so stupid.
1: I also like this idea of a cursed village, because... If you take the idea of sex and coitus, normally that's a distraction that players try to use to uh, uh, derail your campaign. Yeah. But if that lust is the plot and the the centerpiece, well,
0: and especially it's not an appealing one either. So yes. like they're kind of forced to be in this situation where it's like we need to fix this now.
1: Imagine how creepy it'd be if you and your party went down to a tavern and <sighs> sat there, and then everyone is just way too smiley and happy about You're you. They're all just staring at they're you. They're staring like, at you, and they're just like. You're very attractive. And I'm like You got hit
0: on by fifteen people on the way to the tavern. Now (laughs) you're like, something's fucked up. (laughs) Like what's happening?
1: And at the tavern you find out that the innkeeper knows everybody because he's everybody's uncle. Yeah. And then you go,
0: Oh no.
1: Oh
0: my gods (laughs) They won't even let you leave. (laughs) We need to get out of here. Stay. (laughs) Like
1: If you want a room, it's a hundred gold pieces, or I have my sister. Yeah,
0: fucked up stuff like that. Oh (laughs) no! Oh my god.
1: Uh, very nope. I don't see any other way that the Venus can be (laughs) used appropriately.
0: Yeah, don't let them abuse it. They can't get their hands on this artifact.
1: Yeah, this is not something (laughs) for players to use. This is a problem
0: artifact. Yep. So this isn't necessarily an artifact like the other ones are, right? but it is a real life item. I was thinking the plague doctor's mask. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know? Yes. So maybe instead of making the mask itself, like this crazy weird artifact, I was thinking what if it's like a cult of these plague doctors that are spreading plagues, you know, like they're the villain of some kind. Really? Because otherwise you have a mask, and I don't really know what you would do with it.
1: uh, it, I find it interesting that you bring that up, because the way that I imagine Plague Doctor played in 5th edition terms is that uh, the Plague Doctor is usually the alchemist, which is a subclass of an artificer. That's generally how I've seen other people use it in 5th edition, bringing it up as an artifact or an item. I don't really see plague doctors as bad people. The things that um, plague doctors were just dumb.
0: Well, they were just bad doctors.
1: They were just (laughs) bad doctors. They were trying really hard to help. And the best thing that they learned was using leeches on people, but it only worked in the situations where it was necessary. They just got too giddy and they were like, put leeches on everybody. This will help. Just drain the blood out of them.
0: Inject them with cocaine.
1: (laughs) You've got ghosts in your blood. You should do cocaine about it.
0: I've always pictured them as villains though. Like that's how they're portrayed in most media
1: i think that's like, like coming
0: back you know mm. i don't know i'm a cult maybe it is a cult of these plague doctors led by a bad person who's telling them like they're just misinformed every but these people are sick and they need to be cured but nobody's sick mm. so it's like a bad person i don't know
1: so I, I maybe i'm just defending them too much i think that i can <laughs> still take your idea and move around <laughs> with it yeah what would you uh, do with it so, think, consider the world of swords and sorcery, where people have magic to heal themselves. Oh, I'm hurt. Let me go to church. Let me go to the temple and ask the priest to heal me. Here's some gold. Wom, You're good now. Goodbye. Now, consider a town or an institute. Like, maybe there's a uh, college and the college actually starts delving into scientific medicine, like medicine that we know today. (laughs) And that is clashing with the magic world because all of a sudden people are saying, using magic to heal yourself is heresy. It's insulting the gods. That could be a driving point for you to have these plague doctor inquisitors moving around and forcing their teachings of medicine and medical onto other people. I think that you could play around with that.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be fun. I think there's a lot of things you can do with it for sure. Just make them crazy.
1: Necromancers.
0: (laughs) The best way to heal somebody is to kill them. And then when you revive them, they're immune.
1: Oh, it's like a (laughs) subtle necromancy. Yeah, they're just crazy. (laughs) <laughs> they, they'd have enough of themselves to function as a base human, but something's off about them. Yeah. And it's because they're still under the control of the necromancer. Yeah, that'd be uh, cool.
0: The, at the end of the story, they can be redeemed. It's a hierarching evil that's misleading them.
1: Oh, we combo this. Okay, <laughs> so the function of the mask is that the mask makes you immune to gases. That's the magical effect we give okay, the mask. Okay, that'd be cool. And then to combo with that, these doctors are using a hypnotic gas, they're creating hallucinogens and poisons, and then they spray condition you while you're asleep or resting with your sickness. And then you become inoculated by them.
0: Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. That's how they grow.
1: That's how they grow their numbers because who else is going to believe them? You live in a world of magic where you can just be like, priest, heal me. Yeah. Who else would be like, okay, let's consider science. No, that's not going to happen naturally. (laughs)
0: Yeah, they have to have a magical understanding, but cult-like mentality.
1: That's the best part of magic is that people say, oh. Priest, how did you heal him? And then he goes, magic lol? I don't know.
0: Yeah, like he probably doesn't even know. He's, He's like, just I like, read it. I prayed to my <laughs>
1: God, and my god said, okay, beam. <laughs> yeah. So here's a cool item. King Tutin Common's funerary mask.
0: I had that too. Yeah, yes. it's really
1: popular. That's a good one. Oh. The funeral mask.
0: So everything what is Yeah, what is your first thought on what what would this do? so well, i think it, we're gonna go different ways it?
1: yeah we we usually start with the history portion but now i want to go straight into magic so yeah, i just
0: want to like
1: king tut's this is a mask, big item what i think king tut's mask does you actually place it on your head and then a transformation takes place oh. what you actually you kind of become a necro god in a sense like uh the mask Kills you, but then reanimates you instantly into a lich. like. A,
0: are you just like a vessel for this god then?
1: Yeah, like, um, wait, there's so a superhero that does doesn't matter. Anymore. Hold on, isn't there a superhero? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah you're thinking of uh, Dr. Fate.
1: Dr. Fate,
0: yes. <laughs> he puts the helmet exactly, on and he yeah. gets possessed by the guy and he doesn't let him go. Like, he's a Dick. Yes. If you put the helmet on, you're pretty much a slave for eternity.
1: That's exactly the angle I'm going with on this. Yep. So I think if you put on King Commons mask, then you get massive necromantic powers. Like you have 15 levels in wizard or whatever. But at the same time, you become possessed by King Tut himself. Or whatever uh, ancient god you would have tied yeah. to this thing.
0: That's really cool because you have to be desperate enough to put the mask on, but like only one person needs to ever put the mask on. You know? Yeah. (laughs) There's probably, like, lore of this happening a long time ago. Like, that's how the players learn about it, and he got defeated somehow. Yeah. But now it's happening again. Like, it's an item that's just going to keep happening.
1: No, you get a relationship <laughs> with this item because the the mask is gonna whisper to you in your sleep It's gonna beg for you to put it on yeah. when you're in those dire straits and maybe you have a good relationship with it Maybe you guys come to an understanding or the mask might fight you Maybe the mask is trying to egg you on and then the moment you put the mask on it's over and he's gonna wrest control from you well,
0: you can have like the uh, a member of the party struggling with this mask on and off throughout the campaign or like let's say nobody ever puts a mask on; they just have it on them. You're in a situation where, like, this is a TPK moment against the big bad guy. Oh. Last stitch, you know, one HP left. You put the mask on, <laughs> turn into this like deity, yes. duke it out with the bad guy. That'd be like a really sick moment.
1: It would be great. You yeah. can just you can nest it into yeah. your party. Yeah. So, yeah. your party holds on to this item, and at first they're like, haha, I'm not foolish enough to do that. And then let everyone forget about it for a bit. Yep. And then, you know, seven to nine sessions down the line, when you're near the end of your game, they're going to be hurting. You you want to hurt them enough that they feel desperate enough to use this item. Yep. Now, I mean,
0: I'm the guy that's always, I hoard every item I get. Just, you never know when it's going to come in handy. And sometimes <laughs> it comes in handy. Oh. So, Immovable rod! <laughs> yeah, exactly! So just keep it on you. You know, why would you get rid of it?
1: Why would you get rid of it? <laughs> like, rid of it? You, even marbles could save you. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a different idea for how the mask works?
0: You know, I was actually going a similar route. I was actually gonna combo this with my terracotta army. Oh So they're a little different But imagine this, like, it could be the big bad evil guy quest line. Like, somebody put this mask on at the beginning, and he is now the bad guy, kind (laughs) of. But um, he is slowly trying to raise his army, you know? He could do the terracotta army style, and you got to, like, kind of thwart him as he goes. So, Because once you get to the end of the game, it's like, do you want to fight him, or do you want to fight him in a massive army? Ooh, okay. So I was going with, a, with like a combo artifact. Maybe he's resurrecting other artifacts too, like bringing all these ancient artifacts together. Oh, like he's gonna Thanos some or something. Is this the Mummy Three? No, no, I know it's I'm not joking. the Mummy Three.
1: It's not the Mummy Three. It is similar though. He who wears the mask controls the army. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or some stupid shit like, like that. Something like
0: that. Well, I just thought that would be fun. I was thinking more big bad evil guy, but as in like a like the artifact itself is the bad guy
1: that's not the guy
0: it's possessing
1: it's the artifact that you're actually fighting against yeah i want to have a situation where your party first encounters the mask but it's being worn by some some flunky some crony and they don't have mastery over the powers yet they've only just worn it for the first time and it's just the mask showing itself to the party members going i am this god this creature and I'm going to put my powers towards you, but their host is too weak to support them. So it's like a moderate to hard level encounter. The players can still handle the matchup, but they're a little bit piqued in their interest. They pick up the mask and walk around with it for a while until someone bigger and badder takes it away from them again.
0: The mask is looking for a suitable host. Yes. Like the chosen one, but without incorporating any chosen one. Like, there just isn't one. Oh, man. He just wants the best and biggest guy. It's like our,
1: Satan. From our previous episode, I feel like the man-at-arms might fall for this The triad. man of arms
0: Yes. He, that's his endgame. The last time you fight man of arms he's got the mask on.
1: Yeah, he's obsessed <laughs> with crazy powerful artifacts, and he's just like, I have the ultimate piece for my collection dons the mask and loses himself but now all the players have to fight the most jacked up well, magic bad guy ever and
0: do it even cooler have them fight him because he's progressively more difficult thwarting them specifically oh yeah. so after they finally beat him in this clash that's when he reveals he has a backup plan and he puts the mask on Oh, and now you gotta fight that thing that's Just your stage two pointed <laughs> <it> out <laughs> zombie good dude yeah
1: Everyone's gonna go,
0: yeah, we beat him. Oh no, oh shit. King Tut's Mask, that's a really good one. I also had Blackbeard's Hook or Peg Leg. I don't know which one is real. I didn't look it up, but one of them is. I think it's
1: the Peg Leg. Okay. But
0: having a real life pirate artifact.
1: (laughs) Wait, so. Uh, The cost is you have to amputate yourself. Yeah. You have to put the peg leg on. But once you do, you gain immaculate sea legs. Like (laughs) if you're standing on a ship, you will not fall over.
0: You literally are fine.
1: Yeah. (laughs) was this worth it? No.
0: No. (laughs) Maybe it seeks out like a greedy person, whoever the greediest person is in the group. Like it does something, like it, it probably gives you a cool bonus But it has to have a detriment, too, I think. I mean, you have a peg leg now.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the peg leg has to have to do something cool enough for your players to want to use it. Otherwise, it's just... Otherwise, it's
0: like, do I want to mutilate my character?
1: (laughs) This might be for that niche game where you have an amputated character. Or, I'm getting a new idea, you should run a more lethal game. People have rules for alternative critical hits. If someone crits you, they have a chance to chop off an arm or a leg or a mane and scar you. I think if you have a more lethal game, that you can offer these prosthetics. And I think that, yeah. that would be really interesting for players to build themselves back up. They've got mountains of gold. Why not just get a cool magic item to stick on your stump?
0: Yeah, that maybe it even upgrades you. Like, now you're stronger. Oh, bro, yeah. You look weird, but you got a sword for an arm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like... let me just whip out my flame-tongue multi-tool <laughs> yeah. sword arm and you just or swipe them in the face <laughs> and they explode in fire. That would be you super cool. You could just cool. become a magic item cyborg.
0: <laughs> yeah, why not? Dude, if I lost one limb and I already did that, I would just go balls in. That'd be my <laughs> new quest. Like, all right, I need three more. <laughs>
1: Crazy, Yeah. <laughs> you had a quest to see if you could get all your limbs chopped up. The, the
0: machine gun leg guy from uh, Samurai Jack. You know?
1: Yeah. Like, the Scotsman. Yeah.
0: Oh, bro. I'm going to have all these legendary limbs. Dude, <laughs> Just speaking of
1: Scotsman, him. did you know that the Sword of Wallace exists? It's the sword that William Wallace himself wielded in the Battle of Stirling, fighting okay. for Scotland's freedom. That's pretty cool. A freedom Claymore? Like... Oh, uh, a sword, a two-handed sword that when you swing it at something chains, bindings, fetters, things like that. What if you had a sword that just dealt times 10 damage against any imprisoning tool? Oh. Like specifically just jailing, confining and binding things. You have a sword that's Designed to break seals, to break out of uh, jail bars and stuff like that. I think that the Wallace Sword could do that if we gave it a magic idea.
0: Oh yeah, that'd be really cool. I'd like that a lot too weapons in uh, uh history that's pretty weapons
1: cool. in history yeah there's actually quite a few of them uh have you heard of the muramasa blades yes yes Classic. that's in video games All oh right. of course they're like in video that's a good games. one yeah i mean everyone knows the muramasa yeah. blades and how legendary they are for collecting and soaking in the blood of their enemies yep
0: I mean, you have a uh, George Washington's axe. Oh, if you wanted
1: to be extra American about it. <laughs> if you equip this axe, you can only tell the truth. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> tell the truth and one-shot trees.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this axe is vorpal against plant creatures. Yeah, you just swing at a tree and it swing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or just take inspiration from people in history. So I have like a spear based off of like Vlad the Impaler or something. Oh, okay. You know something like that would be kind of cool oh,
1: vlad spear the spear of vlad yeah okay that would be a cool way <laughs> oh wait what's the there is an adventure for Dungeons and dragons that everyone talks about and it has a vampire oh it's
0: the vampire setting
1: yeah what is that vampire setting
0: you're asking so I can't that, think of it
1: I know but that's the problem' my tongue uh, I'm like von zarovich or something
0: Strad. Strad. In Strad. No. Yeah. No, it's not. No, in it's a not. that's magic. The curse of Strad. The, yes. okay. the curse of Strad. Yes. Okay. It came Strahd. back to
1: me. So. Yep. The curse of Strad setting. You find a. Uh, the von Zarevich vampire guy who's the big bad he like invites you to his manor. but the cool thing about that game is that it's sandbox you can actually wander away from the yeah. manor and go side quest and build up your levels before you fight him. you can do stuff like that so what if you find this vlad the impaler npc do a quest for him and then you get a cool ass wooden stake spear to kill vampires with
0: well, even cooler vlad the impaler is one of the inspirations for count dracula right so it actually works perfectly (laughs) uh yeah and his legendary spear maybe it does like bonus damage to vampires or something
1: i just like the idea of a character pushing the spear behind this like we have the actual vampire in the manor that everybody kowtows to this guy is basically just under a god's level in power and then This guy who has the vampire killing spear, he was probably the dude who was fucked over hundreds of years ago from the manor. Like, his bloodline is dying out, and he's the last heir to try and take back the manor for himself. He gives you the spear if you help him on this quest.
0: Yeah. He's like from a family of vampire killers that have been pretty much wiped off the map. <laughs> Something cool and edgy. I mean, it's but a vampire campaign. Everyone
1: thinks that he's a vampire. He's just unnaturally pale. He probably pale. looks like
0: a, like he's skinny, he's yeah. pale, like, he's got the black beard. The whole
1: inspiration, you know, Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. Just stick him in the game. He's actually that cool. Yeah. Like, I think that I've I've heard some fun facts about Vlad where he would release bats in yeah, battle he did and weird <laughs> they would stuff. scare the shit out of the enemy armies because these bats would fly over the hill at sunrise trying to get to darkness and the bats would fly over everyone's face and they'd scream and run away. The dude
0: was just a psycho. He would slit <laughs> the throats of people that he invited to dinner and then drink their blood in a chalice, but to his own people. Like, who's he even scaring? Yeah. Why is he doing that? He's just, Like, he just he, killed the people. Why is he doing it? Why? Like, the dude's just a lunatic. <laughs> My lord.
1: You can't do that. And he's like, try me, bitch.
0: Like, he was crazy. <laughs> he was Dracula.
1: He was actually Dracula. That's why we have the myth about him, because one guy was just butt-fucking insane
0: yeah uh in history too he invited he had a problem where people were starving to death the commoners oh yeah so he invited all of them all of the poor commoners to this big feast at his house and when they got there he locked the doors left and set it on fire what oh he killed them all so he solved the problem
1: okay they're not
0: starving anymore no (laughs) oh No, The dude's crazy. This
1: guy is like, life hacks. (laughs) Is your town in danger of starvation?
0: That would actually be a funny quirk (laughs) for him. Like, what if all the advice he gives you is just really over the top and bad? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like he's just nuts.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude.
0: You have a food problem? Just kill everybody. (laughs) Problem solved.
1: I'm getting some new ideas off of this. It's like, what if there's a corrupt chalice that... (laughs) if you drink blood from it, you gain more knowledge, but you also become more evil. More mad, You yeah. become more, you gain madness, as that's always a very Lovecraftian knowledge semblance, is knowledge equates to madness. Yeah, the, the more you learn, you the stronger you, stronger
0: you get, but also the more insane you get. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's also super cool. Oh, man. Plus, to, to be on the quest to drink blood out of a chalice anyway, I don't no. know if you're all there but, to begin with.
1: Right, like, <laughs> like, thematically, you're putting a proposition towards your players. You're like, would you be willing to spill blood to activate this magic item? Well, add
0: them like a cheat code. Like, a, what not, like, you can do a whole quest to find this information out that you need. Or, you can do the chalice thing. You have to kill an innocent person and you gotta drink it. And it might make you go a little mad. Oh but yeah! But you don't got to do the whole quest. <laughs> they're gonna barter. Like with they're gonna wait. Yeah, like what they're gonna do? How is close are they like, to their end goal? Then they might do it.
1: Uh, as a player, I would say, can we kill a goblin and use its blood, or can we just kill a guy who attacked us first? <laughs> yeah, try
0: to find a loophole. Yeah, it probably is ambiguous, but like innocent. Yes. Like I would say that wouldn't work. <laughs> Keep it
1: with innocence. As long as this person committed no evils towards you, have you have to
0: be the aggressor in the situation, even if they fight back. Oh gosh. And then <laughs> just have it not work
1: if you yeah. they violate the innocence yep. terms. Then then you've got more blood on your hands. Yep. Oh, definitely.
0: Man, what a moral conundrum. They're gonna go through so much effort to do it and then just be like, we could have just done the quest. <laughs> <laughs> like, like <laughs> We
1: could have just done the quest. Yeah. by this. like, oh no, I'm bored. I want to use my, <laughs> my cool magic item. Now
0: everyone in town is looking at me weird. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> Listen up, players. You are the fools if you want to use this magic item. <laughs> yeah. It's a trap. Everything is a trap. You can't escape.
0: <laughs> Plus, making a player character crazy, I think... The way I would do that is in a moment. Like they're not nuts all the time. Oh. But like in an important moment, maybe they go nuts a little bit. Dude. You know, like they just have
1: a spasm. You gotta have them snap. <laughs> and yeah, like just snap. There's gotta be
0: mid-negotiations you- <laughs> or something.
1: I think that this is a good point to say that, um, oh, you were talking about acting earlier, Uh, having a character act out this craziness or this change in character whenever they get a magic item, uh, it's going to take some commitment from your players, so you want to make sure you have a strong roleplay group for this type of interaction. I will say, uh, I've played Tomb of Annihilation before and Tomb of Annihilation had a really cool system where they had these spirit animals that uh, They inhabited these idols and you needed to collect the idols these magic items that had the spirit animal imbued inside of it and the, the thing was when you picked one up it actually changed how you act as the player. Like if you pick up the flail snail item, then you become uh, slow and lazy. Or if you pick up the monkey one, then you become energetic and inquisitive. So
0: I really like that idea, but yeah, it would take the right play group because I feel like,
1: yeah. you know. Now, what happened with my group when we played Tomb of Annihilation is that some of us took it really well. Usually, the enthusiastic, extroverted people would be like, oh, this is awesome. Now I have some free character development. But people who are more shy, reserved, or more game-oriented, when they get this information, it either flat effect does nothing, they just don't register it at all, or it kind of it, it flips too far for them, especially if it's a more uh, chromatic type of effect. Like, uh, there was a Froghemoth idol, and it basically imbues you with rage. And uh, you give this, or the Barbarian picks this one up, and then the Barbarian's like, oh, I'm just angry all the time. And that's not really dimensional, you know? Yeah. It's You're just kind of flicking the switch from one extreme to the other. I think that it was a bit of a flawed element to the game. Yeah, for sure. So with our chalice, or with whatever intelligent item we have, I would cede it to people that would act well with it. Yeah, for sure. I don't want to put pressure on people who don't want to act. If well, you're just here to have a good time, then I don't want to put that extra pressure.
0: And giving on them. somebody a cursed item can be iffy in general, if it's against their will. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of horror stories with stuff like that, but an optional curse item, like you don't have to drink blood out of the chalice. Oh yeah. But if you want to go through the effort to do it, it has a really cool, Effect, but also (laughs) uh, a negative, you know? For as good as the positive, I think the negative should be just as bad. Yes. Because otherwise it's not a cursed item.
1: It has to be a cursed item, most definitely. And the the power has to kind of be what's enticing about it. The curse, you see it more as a cost, but it's going to come back to bite you later.
0: Like, especially if it's a delayed, like, madness later on. I might make that bet i get my info now i don't really gotta worry about the madness until it happens you know but then as a dm i feel like you have a lot more fun with that because now you can spring it whenever you want
1: oh man the first couple you of know times I mean? it's not gonna feel like much is happening but yeah. time three plus oh boy you're gonna start <laughs> seeing things yep you're gonna start hearing voices and going booga booga booga
0: um, if you give a cursed item with a stat, like just a, this is just what's gonna happen right now, I think it's easier to say no to it. Yeah. You know? Because I don't want that effect now. But if you just say same effect, but later. Later's a long time from now. (laughs) Later's a long time.
1: And if your players have to wait a week or two between games, they'll be like, oh, this will be fine. Usually
0: bi-weekly and you don't spring it to like the third one later, that's already like a month and a half. (laughs) You know, they're going to forget about it completely.
1: When's the last time you guys got together with your (laughs) groups, huh? You probably canceled on each other left, right, and center. (laughs) So let, let the delayed effect take precedence because... Cursed items are very mid-game, and then they pop off late-game. That's exactly how you play them. They
0: can be a lot of fun. You just got to give it to the right player.
1: I'm going to curse your items so hard. (laughs) Cursed items are cool. Yeah, you're in a magic setting, but here comes... (laughs) I mean, you're in a sci-fi setting, but here comes the cursed magic shit.
0: Yeah, Natascha's <laughs> been really into collecting items too, so oh, he's gonna get
1: fucked. Isn't he? <laughs> it is up your alley. And I know exactly what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: cool with it. I'll use it.
1: So one last magic item before we go. Do it. Have you heard of the Baghdad battery? No. So this like a is a Tesla coil? No. Here's the dumb thing: is that a, I consider this the stupidest artifact of history okay now the reason why is because it is literally just it's a clay pot and then inside the clay pot is a sheet of copper an iron rod and a bitumen rod and uh it's just this collection of metals inside of a clay pot and people discovered this in an archaeology dig and went what does this do and people tried to reason that oh this is collects electricity and it is used to power something and people were piecing together all these ancient mechanisms to figure out some sort of weird death ray from the bc time like there was yeah people were trying to figure out how people were collecting electricity all the way back in 250 bc but it's not true none of it's true this was all speculation and wild fancy from archaeologists what most scholars believe today is that it was simply a jar to keep documents inside. That was it? <laughs> it's just a file cabinet. But everyone was like, this is a battery. It's a it Totally. Read. It holds electricity somehow. That's what people were talking to each other about. What? And it's just the Baghdad battery. So people thought it was a battery. <laughs>
0: That's so dumb, dude. Imagine a false item. Like you have all this lore about this doomsday weapon, but it turns out to be nothing. That'd be pretty funny, actually.
1: I've done that before. Uh, A really fun magic item I use is the Rock of Throwing.
0: The Rock of Throwing?
1: So, (laughs) the Rock of Throwing. All it does is that uh, when you throw this rock, the rock isn't gonna deal a lot of damage. The rock does like a D4 damage. The thing is, when you throw the rock, and you think of someone that you don't like or you're kind of having an issue with, the rock's gonna hit them. You just don't know when.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it just happened.
1: So, you might throw the rock, and I would be standing right in front of you. I might be like, fuck you, Cody, and throw the rock. It will sail over your head, and then... A month might pass, maybe a year, maybe five years, but eventually the rock's gonna come back and clock you in the just head. Dunk. Yeah, like you could just be minding your own business, you could be like in the throes of misery in your darkest moment, and the, the rock just hits you out of nowhere. <laughs> you could be getting married, getting yes. pelted in the jaw. So, the way I played it as the dungeon master <laughs> is that someone is like, Okay, I don't like this guy, throw my rock at him. I'm like, Fine, that's whatever, and then. Every day, I roll a d20, and I'm like, okay, roll for rock, does he get hit today? On a nat 20, he gets hit. Otherwise, you don't know, the rock's just gone.
0: Yeah. That's pretty awesome, I like that. <laughs> it's still
1: <laughs> magical, but it's just comedic to involve.
0: Well, imagine like using that on the big bad, and then in the middle of combat, you just get decked in the side of the head. <laughs> He was stalled just long enough.
1: <laughs> I would like these Baghdad batteries to be in a DD and d game. Yeah. I think it would be hilarious if someone told you every step you take with it charges it. And then the more charges that you have, the stronger a force of lightning it unleashes. But don't open it until you desperately need to. Lo and behold, your party have been traveling across the continent Forever. and they're like, this jar is going to be a gigantic vortex of energy. They go against a dragon, and they go... Nothing comes out of the jar. <laughs> they, it, it just, just whips of them. They paid 300 gold for it, and they got scammed. Well, and they're baking <laughs> on it
0: as an ultimate weapon, too. Like, yeah! Imagine... Months and months and months of real life time. They're playing with this item. Like, this is gonna be so cool when this goes off. We're gonna baby this item. Yeah! <laughs> you know? Protect the jar at all costs. <laughs> they use it wisely at the right moment, but nothing happens. Nothing
1: happens. <laughs> so like, well, fuck. You can, if they fuck up and then you go, hold on, guys the jar broke and they all go fuck oh shit what happens <laughs> and I, you just tell them it's just a pot it's just everyone's a pot. gonna be mad they got
0: it they got it broke they're expecting a bomb or something to go off
1: they're like what saving throw do i make and i'm just like "Ah, uh, i'm not gonna let you worry about it now. it's
0: just a pot
1: let's keep going with the combat <laughs> you just don't tell them till later <laughs> that'd be so funny you could even like just
0: fuck with them and have somebody steal the pot and have them freak out to get it back they got it back but then later on, when they found out that it whiffs, it would just be really funny. <laughs> like, you went through so much effort
1: for this thing. To oh, keep dude. it alive
0: the whole time. If
1: you have to spend <laughs> one to-do sessions recovering the pot from someone who stole it from you, <laughs> then you're going to be super mad. You're going to
0: be pissed. You're going to be like, oh, that entire thing was a waste of time.
1: It doesn't have to be a magic item for it to make the campaign very memorable. Yeah, there you go.
0: (laughs) It's literally just a pot. It's just a pot, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I like that
1: one. Oh, that's exhilarating. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me up again, Cody
0: yeah that was a fun one that was a good uh topic i like it
1: later on in the line we're going to talk more about character backgrounds character flaws acting things like that and then uh maybe some deities other things like that
0: yeah deities is a good topic i'm excited for that one as well
1: cool then let's come up with some crazy gods to do warfare with let's do it thank I'll you all you guys for joining later. us i'll
0: see you guys later <laughs>
1: i'm sorry i'm stupid <laughs> oh no i can't podcast right